Hey guys, this is Carson. And this is Dora. And, and this, this is, is Slow, Slow Club, Club Podcast. <laughs> Cue the dorky intro. All right, guys. So um, today we have the special treat of discussing 2024. And we're going to be talking about <clears throat> finding serenity in an election year. And so this is a big topic, and for those of you who are chiming in that see various things I share on the socials in the world, the social medias, uh, you know, I have a background in history and studying political science, and so politics are an interest of mine. Um, Obviously, my faith is really above politics, influences how I think about political things, um, but I think it came, well, it first came to mind to do this episode um, because I was already sensing the angst of this coming year being a presidential election year. And I thought it'd be good to do a slow club podcast to talk about, you know, what, how can we approach this year faithfully as we walk with Jesus? Um, and then what are some ways that um, we can. Uh, find peace or serenity in that um, and so yeah so that's that's a little kind of introduction for that Dora anything you want to say to that I think those are good thoughts and I think it's really important to be looking ahead when you know a hard event is coming to like <coughs> reflect on what that will mean especially it's a hard event that affects everyone like in the United States and obviously elsewhere but predominantly like all of our neighbors all of our neighbors, both like literally and, you know, the people in our circles will be undergoing this change and kind of thinking about like, oh, how can we like prepare and uh, not take on a burden that isn't ours to carry, but also recognize like there's something asked of every United States citizen at this, at in this year. So, but yeah, I think tying in, you know, maybe giving some reflections on faith and what that means for this year yeah well um and so maybe some background would be also helpful here just for everyone listening i mean hopefully you don't live under a rock so you know that there uh, are things happening in our country that are pretty wild um, and kind of intense and so i think you know just to just to carefully unpack that a little bit. So we're in election year. Anytime you have an election year, it is always a difficult time. But I think, you know, the more that I've talked to older folks as well and younger people too, but mostly this centers on older people because they've been around long enough to see election cycles more than I have. Uh, is that they have also expressed what an intense situation we're in. So uh, just to lay that out, thinking about this year, you know, we have uh, presumably two presidential candidates that were the same as last time. Uh, So Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And there's some very contentious things around the situation with Donald Trump, obviously, that people are trying to kind of take him off the ballot. So basically, you can't even vote for him, uh, presumably. I don't know if that means you couldn't just write in a candidate, but 
uh, that's a really big deal. And there's a lot of people involved in that. And we're not going to necessarily commentate on that uh, in this podcast, but we just need to acknowledge like that would be a really big deal if you have, you know, a large portion of Americans who like Donald Trump and then he's removed from the ballot potentially by the United States Supreme Court. I don't think that will necessarily happen, but um, it's just, you know, it's a really big deal. And then um, on top of that, uh, we just have a lot of fighting in the country, a lot of difficult divisions uh, going on. Uh, we now know there's a big border crisis, and like right now, Congress is putting forth a a, a bill. They're calling a border bill, uh, but it has some other things tucked in there. Which, if anyone's familiar with how Congress does, you know, bills. That's what they do oftentimes is there's sort of these sneaky trying to get other things uh, tucked into a bill that's called something else. Uh, and so there's just a really intense amount of things going on. And then on top of that, we have Ukraine and Russia are at war. We have Israel is at war with Hamas. Uh, we have the United States has been hit with you know missile strikes and there's been United States soldiers killed in Syria, I believe. Um, there are, you know, more talks of what is China going to do with Taiwan? Like, what is that all about? Um, there's situations of, you know, the drug problems in America and in various cities. Um, we see, uh, you know, also just a shift in, you know, the broken homes in the U.S. There's more and more single parent homes. Uh, there's not as many marriages uh, and then, you know, we could keep going, basically. So the election years are always difficult for many reasons. And, and I think in large part, uh, this year is maybe more difficult than I would, you know, submit than even past years. And so with that, we need to, uh, you know, one, maybe it would be helpful to think, I think there will be three kinds of people that respond to this coming year's election. And I feel like I've, I already know people that are in these different camps. Um, so there are people who don't want to know anything about what's going on. And so they kind of like live under a rock. Okay. There's people like that who never watch the news. They don't pay attention to anything. And, you know, they may or may not even vote. So there's those folks who just, they're just plodding along in their life and they're just whatever. Uh, and I think, you know, that is a posture to take. You could just ignore it uh, and, and sort of, you know, act like nothing's happening. So that's maybe one person. Then there's the person, you know, we might say the opposite response, which is, you know, very involved in like political statements. Maybe they're really vocal about the candidate they support and why and, you know, these kinds of things. And the, so that's, you know, maybe another person. And then maybe the last person that I would say is someone who is very aware of the issues going on. They're staying, you know, knowledgeable about the political situation, but they're also trying to still live their life. They're, they're not just, they're not living under a rock, but they're also not obsessed with, you know, making sure they've, you know, they're donating the political campaigns and all stuff. They're not necessarily in that boat. Um, not that that's wrong. It's just, you know, they tend to be, uh, someone who's kind of more in, I guess, the both zones. And so, uh, you know, I think for a person of faith as well, it's good for people who walk with God and who are taking their faith seriously. They're people of prayer. They're people, 
you know, deeply involved in the life of the church, that we really need to be careful uh, this coming year that um, we we are really finding ourselves one in peace in our souls, but and also in peace with what we advocate for. And so first, let's tackle the first part, which is peace in your soul. And I think the number one way that Christians can do that, they can find serenity this year, is through prayer. So every Christian is instructed in the New Testament to be praying for world leaders. Uh, I know our church does this uh, every Sunday. Uh, a lot of churches do. But I think it's it's also good to maybe not think of it as you're not just giving lip service to leaders. You're not just, you know, uh, like, oh, well, we said, you know, <laughs> this governor's name. Well, that's good enough. It's like, no, in your private prayer life, you should be praying for world leaders. Um, and you should pray for leaders you don't agree with. Like, it's good to pray that and pray, you know, and and really pray, I think, in line with the Holy Spirit. Don't just pray because you're upset about it, but pray about what truly is in line with the ways of the Lord. Um, and so with that, on this, on that same note, when it comes to prayer, I thought of the prayer, uh, the serenity prayer. And a lot of you all are familiar with this. This is very famous with um, AA uh, as, you know, a, a kind of prayer that people in the Alcoholics Anonymous program use. And I really thought that this was a helpful prayer for this election year. I, I think it's going to be a prayer I return to over and over. And so Dora is now going to read that prayer, and we'll discuss it a little bit. So um, the serenity prayer. <clears throat> God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one minute moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. And we might also add, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, because the prayer is a little bit generic, which I don't like that typically. Um, you know, that it's sort of like whatever God you think. It's like, no, we're talking about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the true the true three-in-one God that yeah. um, we have. And, and so I think it's important as we look at this prayer to think about, you know, so we're, we're asking God for peace. We're asking God to think about those things we can change and we cannot change. We got to understand the difference. Um, and then there's, you know, similar to maybe a little bit of a good thing that the person living under a rock does is they're, you know, just living one day at a time. They're accepting the challenges life's bringing, um, and and they're accepting the brokenness of the world. That things are not just instantly going to be perfect. You know, there's not a utopian vision here. There's not sort of, well, if this candidate gets elected, then everything's going to be perfect. Nothing like that. Um, And that we can also find happiness, serenity, peace um, with the Lord Jesus. We can actually be present. Um, And so I think that's that's a helpful thing. But Dora, do you want to comment on things to do with the serenity prayer or stuff to do with prayer? Well, yeah, I think we're indicating, obviously, the, the, the... of the three options or 
things that you identified. <clears throat> There's a the person who kind of is absent from the scene, the person who's almost like striving so much that they're just enamored with the election cycle, almost trying to find a like a um, salvation in it. And we're kind of advocating to like live in more of the like the middle ground of someone who is aware, alert, praying into those things. Um, and not, um, not removing themselves from the scene, but not trying to like conquer, I guess, the scene of the political sphere. We're just seeking to encourage change where it's actually able, like where we can actually pour into change and prayer being a top one for that. Um, so I feel like with the serenity prayer, what I see is like, you've got the one side, like you're able to accept hardship. You're able to accept what is given and like what you were saying, like someone who is living one moment at a time. And then you also hear in the serenity prayer, courage to change the, the things that I can, asking to be like reasonably happy, but then also supremely happy, like reasonably happy in this life, supremely happy with him forever in the next life. So I think that that serenity prayer really is a appropriate um, one to bring before the Lord um, for this season, since there's going to be a lot that we can't change. And there's also plenty that we can do. Um, and so that, that portion, wisdom to know the difference between the two and discernment. And I think really seeking the Lord's face on um, asking him and petitioning him for that discernment and wisdom um, in particular this year. So there's going to be a lot of information flung at the people of America. So you can either like North America, you can either uh, hide from the information deluge and like the just abundance of things that are going to come your way, or you can feel like you need to respond to every single one. Or I think sitting at the feet of Jesus and saying, Lord, help me sift through to know the difference between the two as um, whether through social media, through friends, through the news outlets, or wherever you get your influx that you would have the wisdom to know um, the difference of the things that are your responsibility to change and the wisdom to know this is not my responsibility to change. It's my responsibility to, you know, what does it say? Uh, accept the hardship. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Accepting hardships as the path pathway to peace. Yeah. That's a really, and I think it's, you know, hmm. And I think that does take wisdom to know the difference of between those things, not just that you can't change, but also those things which you should even try to change, you know, because I think sometimes it's like, even if we know we can't really change it, we still just are like, ah, oh, come on, like change, change, change. Um, and I, I do think it's important maybe here to them, you know, the second part of what I said, I was like, you know, so there's the prayer part, our greatest weapon for change. Mm-hmm is prayer i think really and and actually you know obviously we can pray something and god can say well that's not really my will and you know he's going to direct and his he has a plan mm-hmm. you know he has a great cosmic plan of redemption but when we align our prayers with the ways of god then we can expect that that is going to be an agent of true change people's hearts are going to be moved and so that is really our biggest thing and then it's still really to me an act of prayer to also speak the truth when needed and advocate for things when needed. You know, that it's not that you just decouple that from prayer, you know. And I think there's there's some folks that 
almost like they're a Christian at their house, they're a Christian when they go to church, but then, you know, like in their workplace, there's they kind of I almost advocate more secular values or on social media or they you know, they they kind of imbue this sort of secularism while also saying that they agree with like Christian ethics and stuff like that. And I think that's a really uh difficult thing to do and it's not it to me doesn't have a high integrity uh it's different if someone chooses to be silent and not to they're going to be a christian and they're just going to live their life and then encounter people along the way Um, but i think it's different when you have christians that are really like they're kind of advocating against the ways of god even though they say they're a christian and so i think Another thing that I wanted to mention on this podcast as far as finding peace is that really asking people, hey, make sure you have a clear conscience when you're advocating for certain things and make sure that it really is something that can fully align with the historic faith. You know, this is not um, just finding a way that the culture can just, you know, infect the church, basically. It's like you should really be thinking about this and be 100% sure um, because there's people obviously watching. You have an influence. I have influence. Uh, We all have smaller spheres of influence than I think we realize unless you're like a, you know, dignitary or YouTuber or something. I don't know. Um, But we all have certain spheres of influence. And I think, you know, there's kind of maybe two different schools of thought. There's people that would say, oh, it really hurts the Christian witness to speak the truth you know like and as a christian you're gonna offend people people who aren't christians they're not gonna understand what you're talking about they're gonna be mad at you but there's also the school of thought that if christians effectively advocate for everything non-christian then what kind of witness is that right you know like and a great evidence to me is um recently the our church that we've kind of come in contact with some people who are seeking the faith and the story has always been the same. Every person I've met there is that, and some of these people don't have a Christian background, is that their story is, I wanted the real thing. I didn't want the kind of like secularized version of Christianity that sort of, you know, like famously John Wesley said, you know, the, the form of religion, but without the power, um, is that sort of, it looks kind of like Christian and there's sort of the trappings, but when you look closer, you're like, Oh, this is like fake. (laughs) Like this isn't the real Christianity. Um, and I think that's something we got to be really careful of as Christians this coming year is like, yes, we are, our first focus should definitely be prayer. It should definitely be, uh, praying for our neighbors, praying for our leaders, praying for the, the nation to not be in chaos, praying for peace around the world. We don't want wars praying for, um, you know, healing for, you know, people who are sick. I mean, all the stuff Christians were called to do anyway, but then the second half being this sort of recognizing that, you know, that we need to be authentically Christian, be who we really are. We can't hide that, um, hide it under a bushel. No, (laughs) I'm going to let it shine. You should be a Christian. Um, and yes, there will be, there will be times that that is going to put you in a difficult position with your neighbors to where you are going to disagree with them. But I also would show, you know, something that's interesting, been a bit of a study. And then 
Um, I want to hear your thoughts, Dora, but uh, I know I'm kind of doing a little more monologue here, but is that I remember thinking to myself, how in the world did the early church become such a dominant force in the Roman Empire? The Roman Empire, thoroughly pagan, they had no idea what to do with the Jews. First off, they let them worship their God, but then there's this other group that came along. They literally called Christians atheists because they didn't you know, worship the gods that they knew. They didn't know what to do with Christians. How did that, there was a very distinctively different pagan culture that was against the ways of the church, the ways of Christ. How did that change? And of course, we have Constantine, Edict of Milan, Dora and I even reading on this, um, that, th- that people reference that, but the church was already becoming a very vibrant force before that. It wasn't just like Constantine snapped his fingers and then boom, now they're, everyone's a Christian in the way that everyone says. It's but there was a massive movement. Some people say like the, you know, the early church, like, you know, quadrupled or something every year. I mean, it just was explosive. And the reason why, and I've read so many books on this and I've reflected on it is because they were distinctive. They were distinctively different and often very opposed. And you see one, like all, all 11 of the apostles, um, uh, except for, Obviously, Judas, who was replaced by Matthias, um, that, you know, but there were still 12, right? And then the 11, all 11 of those, according to church history, were martyred. They were killed, slaughtered by the Roman Empire, except John, because he was banished to that island. Um, But you look at that and you say, like, well, maybe, like, I feel like, and this is where I'm getting, you know, maybe show my cards a little bit, but it's it's a little bit like I get, I get confused when people who are maybe more secularly minded Christians, when they're like, Christians are just mean and we're not nice enough and we're not, you know, almost like placating to the culture enough. And then I look at that and I'm like, it's like, well, are you going to look at those early Christians and, and say, well, those 11 apostles and countless other martyrs, they just weren't nice enough. Like they should have been more cozy to the culture. And then, and then, and then somehow the culture would have just realized how great it's like, no, the reason why they were martyred is because at certain point, and I'm sure they loved their neighbors and reached out to them and had them over for dinner. Like we know that stuff happened, but what happened is at a certain point, the values and the ethics of those two communities, this pagan Roman empire and the empire of God, the kingdom of God, clashed and the whenever that happens the kingdom of the world can't it, it doesn't like yeah it the seeks kingdom to of extinguish God. they yeah they seek to destroy and and, it, and it's not because christians aren't being charitable and kind it's because of what we do and it, i just think of the words of christ in this world you will have trouble but take heart i've overcome this world and he's you know and and he says that if they hated you hated me how much more will they hate my disciples you know that this isn't a cause for Christians to be butt faces. Obviously, this isn't us going around yelling at people or anything like that. But it's there's kind of this weird element where I think some secularly minded Christians think that a Christian speaking the truth and being firm and distinct in their faith is somehow evil or offensive when really it's not. It's actually being authentically who we are and the let the world wrestle with that because I think we are... We're meant to be, you know, like Christ is essentially the stumbling block to many. We are, we are called as his ambassadors 
to to kind of call people to a higher place and to seek God. And if we're not distinct, then we'll just be like the culture and we won't be the real thing and we won't be real Christians. And so I think that's that's all connected to our prayer life. That's all connected about what we uh, advocate for and how we understand politics. Um, but I just wanted to say that because I think there's a lot of Christians out there who really mess that up and they think that it's wrong to be authentically Christian, both publicly and in your home, when I just don't see that in the New Testament at all, or the early church, the New Testament, the early church, you don't see that. They were authentically themselves, a distinctive culture. And because of that, I think they, they won people over because they were the city on a hill. So anyway, monologue over. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to respond or say, I'm crazy, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I just think of what our pastor recently um spoke from the pulpit of just you're a christian here you're a christian at home like you're a christian everywhere you go and you don't leave that aside when you walk out the doors of the church and so i just think you know that's something to consider Mm -hmm. as you're living your life and uh loving friends families enemies coworkers, and uh, those you know that we're brushing shoulders with. Um, and it is really, I would say there is a very strong, the kind of current culture is like, you do not disagree with people and disagreement. I like the culture more so probably uh, being a value like of the secular world is to not disagree or to even indicate any form of disagreement. And I think that's something for the Christian to ponder. Um, is that something that's godly or is it not? And I don't think you need to, you know, state your opinion every hot second, but, Mm. um, even just thinking like, okay, like it's also, it is okay to like be in disagreement with someone and to lovingly disagree. Um, and we as Christians should be doing that from a place of our faith. If there is like, you know, someone espousing, um, values that are against the way of life against the ways of god you maybe quietly disagree or maybe it's something to have a conversation with depending on the status of that relationship but just you know it is definitely something that's permeated our culture that's like at least i felt this and maybe this is speaking just from my own experience i could say that but that kind of the the standard is to not even indicate disagreement Mm -hmm. and i'm not i wouldn't say that that's um something godly i think it's okay to be in disagreement with people like so yeah that's a good point well and i think it's too it's it's really a misunderstanding when people say that oh christians only talk about what they're against but not what they're for it's like by saying what you're against you're also saying what you're for (laughs) um there's there's an important component there and i think some of the um some of the interesting thing culturally is there's kind of a dominant force of you're not supposed to disagree because you're supposed to agree with the dominant force. So the dominant force. You're laying those two together, like Christians only being, you know, speaking about what they're against and then like the culture, you're all, you know, you only agree. Is that, 
Um, well, basically just like dominant secular culture, kind of secular religion has a very, they have an ideology. And so, but yet they're part of their ideology is tolerance and, you know, don't disagree like just, you know, just vibe or something. I don't know. Um, but yet in doing that, that is them disagreeing They're mm. because, and that's what's so silly. And it's a very, you know, we obviously, I don't know if we, we had talked about it on this podcast, but the, you know, Father Seraphim Rose and his book, that was the first book I read that talked about that concept of, of, you know, the religion of the future, secular religion this kind of like that is a posture there is not a neutral stance that is basically like there's the neutral kind of middle that's really like the harmony ecumenical vibe like i don't even know um and christians are just butt faces because they come in there and be like well actually it's this it's like no they're depositing truth christians are too they don't agree and so what i'm saying is that that posture of non-disagreement is itself a uh, assertion it is a, itself a posture mm-hmm. of that person trying to essentially say oh, we don't need to disagree anyone because that's actually playing into their narrative and making it to where they're right rather than if you get it in an arena of debate then and and welcoming challenge and truth-telling then our faith the way of Christ shines brightly, but the problem, but what we end up with our, the dominant culture right now has more of a narrative of ignoring truth. Like let's know everyone get along, everyone disagree or, you know, don't disagree because it's this, you know, it's, it's basically like um, trying to hush all the other narratives because they've already uh, overlaid or asserted their, worldview on on the conscious mind of the country and the west um that's like super like (laughs) complex but yeah but i I think that's important though is for christians to recognize that um and the last thing i'll throw out there just for everyone uh to recognize um and this is just standard stuff you should do as a informed citizen is be careful how much news that you intake and be careful what you intake if you're only getting your information from Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or whatever. Or TikTok. <laughs> or TikTok or Facebook. Then you need to rethink things. You want to look at um, journalists and news outlets from different perspectives. And and be careful because a lot of these news outlets are all owned by like five people. No joke. And frankly, all of them are part of the kind of established american government mindset so if you find some journalists you find some information from different sources you corroborate it yes it's more difficult i wish it was simple you got a newspaper that just came in the mail and it told you all the stuff and it was very balanced and very blah it's really hard to find but i would just encourage you that this coming year there's probably going to be things that happen in the news that is going to trigger major responses from everybody and you're going to have all sides blah blah but do your homework, look into different sources, hear what people are saying, corroborate things, and do some deep prayer and thought, you know, before you just accept whatever you saw on TikTok or whatever you saw on Facebook. We don't have TikTok. It's probably a good idea for you not to have it either. 
Um, it's the mind worm. It gets in your brain. Um, so does YouTube and the other things too. But, uh, but yeah, that's just one thing I would say, because I think this coming year, there's going to be a lot of, you know, like things out there that are literally, they are engineered to mess with your mind and make you afraid and to confuse you. And I think being aware of that, being involved in your local community, care about local issues, Again, back to the serenity prayer, there's things that you can't change. There's things that you can. There's, And so that circle of influence you have, that taking care of your family, those kind of things are way more important in that sense and being prayerful. Uh, but if you want to stay informed, then just remember those good practices of when you're looking at political things, you're researching, is um, take the long-form approach. You know, do, like I remember... Um, I did a, a, a study a while back just because I was trying to understand pro-life stuff. I was trying to understand, you know, what, what does it mean that a child is, con- you know, conceived at birth? And how does that relate to, like, the metrics on how many abortions are happening in the nation? And, and what about those videos that they released of, like, these horrible practices that Planned Parenthood clinics are doing and, you know, whatever, that those were, like, hidden camera videos of what they actually do? It's pretty disturbing. Um, that I remember, you know, doing research, looking at government websites, looking at different sources, watching videos, listening to podcasts, reading church fathers, reading theology. Like I was in that zone of like all these different sources. I wasn't just getting my information from one source or some random professor I had in college. I was doing like a deep dive. Uh, and so I think that's how we actually form and understand things. Um, and then you know, we can, then, then I think we know how to pray because issues in our time are so complex that sometimes we want to be careful before we just jump on a person's side when we don't necessarily understand things. Um, and you know, sometimes that takes time and reading, you know, books and, you know, understanding history. So, (laughs) yeah. And I think my, my thought, my piece of advice, well, my piece of advice always begins with you should be praying. Yes. But then so my second piece of advice would be um, just as we do become closer and closer to that election period, um, I just recognize with the last election, obviously it was incredibly intense. There was emotions were incredibly high. There was a lot of stuff going down in America, North America. Um, I just found myself like feeling like I had to respond immediately. Like, you know, me sitting on my couch in Lexington at the time, you know, oh, my like, like on this page or my comment to this person will like change everything because I need to do it right now. And if I don't do it right now, that's like, ah, that's the end of the world. And, you know, a lot of that immediacy died very quickly after election period was over um, and I kind of wondered, I remember even it was, you know, probably like October or September. I remember thinking like, ah, you know, like I wonder this, I was like, this is going to be here in December and January. Right. Cause like, this isn't fake stuff. Like what's going on isn't fake. And I'm not saying it's all fake, but I'm just some of it, maybe the immediacy and the, like the, uh, momentum of getting people's emotions really up high is, uh, I think, a part of election year. I think it's people feel the transition is coming. They feel like a lot of pressure. So I would just encourage for you, my piece of advice, my second piece of advice is 
take a deep breath and you don't need to respond right away to whatever it is um and particularly political like it's not all on you like you liking that page or posting that thing or sharing it on your story or like you know verbally like punching someone in the face with like ah you should be doing better is like it's not all on you like we all have a part to play um we are going to be like held accountable (laughs) to different things but the immediacy does not need to drive you to i guess like just jump off your emotions off the giant cliff of you know whatever outlet that is for you social media in person uh, your work, just mm-hmm. take a breather. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, and I think it's it's also the, um, we'll wrap up the podcast here soon, but to me it's, yeah, as we get closer to November, then I think there's, it's almost like a volume dial. It's going to start getting turned up. And, you know, some of that's just indicative of like people's anxiety about it. And then some of it is it's engineered, <laughs> It's, I mean, that's just true. They literally just had a hearing with Facebook and even there's overseas instances where Facebook has like the algorithm has basically like been part of like causing war, you know, and like other things like, and so I think, um, you know, and someone could argue, is that intentional? Is it not? Blah, nobody knows. But I think it's important to know that so that when we get closer and closer to that uh, November date, that there's going to be advertisements that are going to come out. There's going to be all these things, but that's why it's so important in your faith to like go to God first, go to the scripture first, go to like the tradition, go to church, go to church. <laughs> if your church is, you know, walking with God um, <laughs> and uh, you know, actually like go to those places and that being your authority and your way of seeing things, because I think, If you, you know, jump at whatever advertisement you saw or thing on Facebook or whatever, or, you know, some politician you like, if that is your ultimate authority, then that's going to dictate how you approach things. Whereas maybe it's something they said, someone you really like, or, you know, an advertisement that really pulled your heartstrings. It's like, well, take some time. Christians, we're all about the long game here. We're all about the kingdom of God, like... And, and there's just a slow movement of God that he does it generation after generation that he's going to bring the world to its, its, its point of uh, uh, the precipice, so to speak, to where he'll return. And uh, as Dora said, there will be a judgment. Uh, so better be careful uh, what we're doing, right? And, and being very careful to um, shed light on, on the true way of God and invite people into that. And so, yeah, but I think it's important that we wanted to share this with you guys to just talk about that serenity. And this is a hard conversation. It's hard to acknowledge that this coming year is going to be what it is. Um, And it's very contentious, but I would hope that there's a commitment to like, like I know for me, it's like praying more than I listen to political podcasts, praying more than I post, praying more than I um, you know, dwell on, you know, the new world order and everyone's psyoping the planet and like, you know, the, the lizard people are taking over, man. Like, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you know, like just these types of things, like we, we want to be in prayer more than that. We want to be having people over for dinner, like caring for them, like, you know, visiting family that are sick, you know, doing your job, working hard, caring for your kids. Like 
those things are super important uh, for us to do and not to forget about in the midst of like a challenging year. And, and when, you know, the going gets tough too, like lean on your brothers and sisters in Christ. They should be the people that you turn to for comfort. Um, but I also add that some of those people that you may want to trust brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, some of them may go rogue. Um, I'm just going to say they, they might go rogue. And so learn to be discerning as to those people you can trust and lean into to talk about your faith and talk about the challenges you're seeing in the world um, because we're going to need each other to be able to have those kind of conversations. Um, so, yeah. But, well, guys, this has been Slow Club Podcast talking about finding serenity in an election year, some practical tools, also getting real. I hope this has been a kind of real conversation about this is going to be a challenging year, but I think there's, there's really an invitation for us to trust God. And I know that's something I'm trying to work on and, and just give things over to him. And I know Dora's same thing. Uh, and so I uh, hope you've been encouraged by this and Dora, any parting words you'd like to say? Just that the, may the peace of the Lord, um, dwell in your hearts and may you claim that peace as your own. Hmm. Amen. That's a good way to end, I think. So, all right, guys. Well, this has been Slow Club Podcast. As always, get in touch with us at slow1club at gmail.com and uh, look for another episode, uh, you know, coming very soon. So, well, maybe not super soon, but we'll see. (laughs) God bless you guys. Take care.